Submission Coalition number 11. We got to sit down with the incredible, awesome Felicia O. She was the sixth female black belt in the United States, which is a huge accomplishment, a true OG of the sport. Under none other than Jean-Jacques Machado. Truly amazing. It was a great conversation. We had a great time. Hopefully you enjoy. behind anyone else and what are you losing is there something no you're good did you mess up yes i messed up but I... oh did you just start recording yes i thought well it was <laughs> I, I, had all of them, I thought i had all of them to automatically record so anyways now it's recording i, so. I joke that we're at least it wasn't like at the end of the whole <laughs> yeah. thing and i go oh shoot <laughs> yeah, I, I joke that we're two stripe white belts at this whole thing the podcasting and... <laughs> And I'm not, I'm not sure if we actually have that second strike. <laughs> so I know, well, I, I, I do a podcast that I co-host occasionally with Kenny Jewell, um, Grapple TV. And um, that has happened. And in fact, one time I went up and I interviewed Cindy Hales when I was up in Washington visiting family. And I got back, I put it in the computer, completely gone, couldn't find it. I went and interviewed her again, and then it was fine. And then recently she just posted that she did some podcast and then something happened and it, they, they missed the whole thing. And I just like commented like, oh, that's funny. That happened when I, when I tried to interview you, maybe it's her. Well, we were, we <laughs> yeah. were live, we were, we were live at an event. That's okay. Keep going. But yeah, we, we were live at an event and uh, there was a guy, I was doing an interview with him and Melissa was holding the microphone up and we were having an amazing conversation. And then Melissa goes, are you guys ready? Are you ready to start? <laughs> and this was not that. I, I honestly <laughs> thought I had these automatically set up to record. <laughs> and that, then the conversation was awkward after that. Because then- Because it, it, now you don't know if you need to repeat the whole conversation again or not. And yeah. you're like, I'm not really surprised because this isn't a fresh conversation. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah we just interviewed caesar gracie and i'm trying to half the half of the interview is lost so i'm trying to find it trying to get it yeah yeah so, so. and did you know karen peters up in gilroy yeah yeah you, you heard that she got very sick mm -hmm. yes yeah. yeah i actually talked to her today because well, i was message yeah met pm her today because yeah. um, she was she was already on our list to want to interview because of her work to get um, the uh, master's women into pans and all that. So I messaged her and just said, hey, I don't know how you're feeling. If you're up for you know, podcast, let me know. She's like, yeah, not right now. She's still, you know, recovering. So I hear it's a long recovery. It's like a lot of yeah. feel good and feel like crap again. Yeah. Which I think, like, pneumonia is, uh, depending on how far your pneumonia gets, it's a long recovery, too, right? Yeah. So Any, long yeah, anything that damages the lungs, the lungs don't come well, back, that, bounce back real fast. That, and I'm hearing that the the fluid, if you want to call it a fluid, that are, it gets into the lungs, it's not quite like a pneumonia. It's 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 thicker. It's, it's like, stickier. Sounds gross. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you froze. Oh, sorry. <laughs> What happened? I don't know. Yeah, today's been a weird, weird one. I wonder if a lot of people are using uh, the internet today doing because we, we did Zoom classes for the kids. And it was glitching. 
Are you hearing us at all? Yeah, you're you're coming and going and stopping and starting, but it was all fine, and then it just started happening. Right. Like weird. Yeah, it's weird. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We hear you just fine now. Do you think is it me? No, my Wi-Fi. Is it's probably I don't know. It could be just the internet in general. Let me no, ours check. is good right now. Everything looks good. I didn't check. But um, my... so there's so much uh, to talk to you about. Can you hear us? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, you, there's a lot of history involved with you in jiu-jitsu as far as, you know, being part of the female Dirty Dozen, you know, being the sixth female black belt, all that. Um, so maybe kind of give us a little history lesson, how you got into the sport um, and how that was coming up when they're, you know, pretty much you were a unicorn. There were no women in the sport. Well, it didn't really occur to me um, that there weren't that many women. Um, I went to my first class. I'm trying to give you like the short version. Yeah, yeah, right, that's yeah. Fine. We don't want it. Um, a friend of mine, I went on a bad camping trip with a friend of mine and her husband. Her husband, I didn't really know on the way up to the camping, uh, on the hiking trip, um, he started telling me about jujitsu and I had no idea what he was talking about. And then he started showing me the positions on the bed, which I thought was kind of weird. Um, and it turned into a really bad trip. And so on the way back, I'm like, hey, what was that you were telling me about this martial art thing? Let me come try it. So I went with him and he went with me and he didn't regularly attend the beginner class that we had at the time. He stayed, did the class with me. It was always, you know, a little awkward with someone's legs wrapped around you. And I don't really know. I'm like, you're my friend's husband. This is a little weird. But um, I was the only girl there. And I was like, okay, well sign up. <laughs> and then I just started going twice a week. And uh, after six months, there was a tournament. I had actually I had gone to watch one a few months in. And then after six months, I did my first tournament and just kind of got hooked and then just kept competing and trained about two times a week at that time. Um, I don't remember if it was a Monday, Wednesday or Tuesday, Thursday, twice a week and then got my blue belt after nine months and kept training and slowly started training a little bit more. And, you know, it kind of insidiously, as we know, like takes over your life <laughs> and very slowly. So uh, just kept competing and kept coming up. Uh, 2005, they had Abu Dhabi. Well, 2003 is when Eddie went to Brazil. So Eddie Bravo yeah. was a student of Jean-Jacques and Joe Rogan was there and morning classes, we'd go in and those guys would stay after class and keep working and hang out and watch them and, you know, hear all the talk about Nibiru and the 10th planet and all this stuff. And, um, but just watch them train and started learning from Eddie. And then in 2003, he went to Brazil and, beat Hoyler and then came back and then all that exploded. Right. So they train over there um, in addition. And then in 2005, Abu Dhabi was in LA and I was like the alternate alternate. <laughs> so like two people had to get injured. And at that time it was, they were all invites. Right. And uh, two people didn't get injured and I just had a pretty good seat at the event. And then 2006 they started the north the, the continental trials and so 2006 i won the trials in north america 
And that year they actually had four divisions for women and there was no lack of competition. Um, that was the only year they had four divisions. So in my division, well, my first round was against Letitia Ribeiro. And then the second round was uh, Megumi Fuji. And then the final was uh, Sayaka. Um, you know, Cindy Hales was in that. And a lot of people, when you go back and look through, they're all people who were highly competitive and active at the time. After that year, they uh, went back to two divisions, which I think was really, has really hurt the women. Um, because if you could imagine, it's the equivalent of saying it's 180 over and under for men. Yeah. You know, like you have two divisions. And even with the four divisions, I was in the lowest weight class. Even when we had four divisions, I wanted to do the open. They didn't pick anybody and it was they choose who goes into the open they didn't pick anyone from the smallest weight class so i was a little bummed about that but i mean that's the equivalent of what we have with the the two weight classes right and so i think a lot of people don't even bother going to go compete or do the trials because what's the point i mean if i weigh 110 pounds and i'm fighting girls what it's like 60 kilos what's that one is it 148 or something close around that so yeah something around there and so those are like 160, or, you know, they're cutting down. And if you're like 110, 120, so now you're fighting a girl who's like 160 or 50, you know, I think that it keeps a lot of those girls out. Yeah. Um, and because they don't want to bump up and then they have to fight someone who's like 200 pounds because it's just over, the, you know. Right, you know. yeah. So if you're 150 or 160, if you don't cut down, then you're fighting someone who's – 80, 60, 100 pounds heavier than you. So um, I don't know if they are going to do it, but I think that was pretty apparent. You know, there was a lot of talk this last one, which was an amazing show that was here in LA or Orange County. Um, my opinion is, is they should add another women's weight class, one or two more weight classes and keep it at eight. Don't go two weight classes and go to 16 because you yeah. haven't changed the problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. The problem's a weight class, not the depth. And then they'll, if they, they go, oh, it's now 16, you're still not gonna have those girls, the smaller girls come up with 16 because it's still the same problem. Right. So I hope they add another one or two weight classes and keep it at eight, but I don't know. Yeah, um, it'll make sense. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like back in the day, like when I, so I, I kept competing when I was a blue belt. Um, I, I was competing and uh, became friends with the girls that were training under Lekka down at Hegan Machado's. And Hegan is my teacher, Jean-Jacques' brother. And so I would go down there on the weekends and go train with them. And then they um, were going as a team, a women's team, to go to the Pans in, in uh, Florida. Yeah. Um, and uh, they invited me to go with them. So I went with them to that. And I was a blue belt, so there was a white belt division, and there were three weight classes at the time, as I remember, if you can imagine. So there was the white belts, and then there was blue belts, three weight classes, and then there was purple, brown, black, as one division with three weight classes. Right. So as a blue belt, I had 22 girls in my division, which was a nice. good size division. Yeah, that's a nice. Division. Nice. Um, but again, it was only three weight classes. Right. Then I think the year or two after that, then they went, they gave purples their own and then it was brown and black. And then eventually it became separate. But, yeah. um, 
I remember in the semifinal, I fought Kira Gracie. I think she was 15 or 16 years old. Wow. <laughs> and that was pretty crazy. I didn't really know who she was. You know, I was still like a blue belt doing, I don't know what I'm doing, but uh, I'm going to go compete and see what happens, you know. So, so you've been with Jean-Jacques Machado since the beginning, right? I started with Jean-Jacques, yeah. And then there was a brief period when I was a black belt and I moved to Valencia and I taught up there and then eventually came back. And um, so 2007, I did Abu Dhabi and then uh, eventually I got sick. I got uh, mono, I got EBV. What was that noise? You hear that? Oh yeah, it sounds like a alarm of some kind. Oh, you're hearing that? That's my laundry. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Something just kind of went uh, around my computer. Is that bothering you? Should I go do it now? No, 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 no we're fine. good. It'll stop soon. Um, <laughs> so uh, I moved like 45 minutes north up to Valencia and I was teaching full time up there. Um, I got sick, I had mono and it didn't go away. And I think part of it is because I didn't know I had mono and I kept doing CrossFit at the time. I was getting certified in CrossFit. This was 2007. This was right after Abu Dhabi. I went and competed. I was training really hard and um, didn't know I had mono and kept training and training and training. And then I felt like I was sick all the time and uh, finally went to the doctor and then they did the test and they said, I, uh, you have mono. And uh, that was it. There's nothing they can do about it it never fully went away. So uh, my student at the time, my first student who is you know, still a really good friend of mine, Brandy, she's had this since college and she's in her forties now. So um, there's this kind of, I just call it chronic fatigue a lot, which is hard because people don't, and, and I don't know technically what that is, if people call chronic fatigue, you know, it seems to change over time. But it's Epstein-Barr virus, 90%, now they say 90% of the population have it, almost everyone has it, um, where they, when I first got it, they had said it was like 40 to 60%, but now they say pretty much everybody has it. Uh, a lot of people, it's like chickenpox, where people get it, and people that have more symptoms will have mono. A lot of people have it as a kid, and then, you know, you just rest for a couple months. Right. And then it goes away like chicken pox and you never have a problem with it again. Well, there's a small group of people that, and I think maybe it was because I pushed it too hard while I had it and kept running myself down that I never fully recovered. And, um, and I had trouble. I couldn't train um, whenever I was doing conditioning or even training, like my lips would turn blue and all these, you know, my lip would peel. I had all these weird, like my lips like I was always swollen my throat for five years I had a hoarse voice um and I was trying all these different things I tried to train it out of me different styles of training um different diets tried a billion different things tried all everything and after five years of not really training and just trying to figure out how to make this go away. So what would happen is I would train whatever, jujitsu, conditioning, whatever. And like, if I did it two days in a row, like something would happen and I could, I would start getting really like um, irritable. And within 30 minutes, it would be like someone sucked all the energy out of my whole body. And then I'd be like, like just, like a, um, a deflated 
inflatable doll or something. Right, right. That was a bad choice of words. But, um, but it would just be like I had no energy. And I remember even teaching a class and I was just sitting there like, uh, and they were, people, they were just like, what's wrong with you? And you should just go home and rest. And I'd have to sleep for a day and then I'd be okay. Right. Um, so over time, oh, so I was about to completely quit everything because I was like, I, I'm not happy. I can't train. And if I train a day or two, either I get injured and or I get exhausted. And so I decided I was going to quit my teaching job and start a whole new life. I don't know what the life was. And I took my student. We went to Hawaii and my student wanted to compete um, at a tournament in Hawaii and have a little vacation. So we went to Hawaii and uh, a friend of mine there said, try red marine algae. That's supposed to help with that. I went and got it. The next day on Hawaii, wherever we were, were and um, within a, two or three days, I started to feel better. I felt different. Oh, wow. So when I came back, I was supposed to quit all of this stuff. I came back and went back to, back to Jean-Jacques and started training. Um, I think I went back there on a Monday morning, and Master's Worlds was uh, two weeks later, week and a half later. So I trained Monday, Wednesday, Friday. The next week I trained Monday, Wednesday. And then the next weekend I, I, I did Masters Worlds, which, okay, old, old school. Masters Worlds used to be called Masters Seniors. And it used to be a big joke. And you would never be kept, caught dead. That was old man's worlds. And only old people did that. You would never, it, it's a whole different thing now. Oh yeah, it's huge now. Yeah, and now it's like the most fun tournament because everyone is competitive, but it's also everyone, either you came up through jujitsu and you probably took some time off and then that competitive itch never goes away and then you went back in or you just came up, kind of like you guys like through it as older people in a different part of your life and it's still this place where you can go and get this competition. Right. But old days, it was a joke and you would never do it. So now it's, I think the venue they have it at, the way the venue's set up, I think it's the most fun tournament because the way it's set up, it's like you end up crossing paths with a lot of people. Oh yeah, yeah. We, we were talking about it. It's like, it's like a family reunion to us. Because yeah. every year we get to, that's the only place we get to see some people. Like that's the first place I met you. Yeah. Was there. You know, like even when you go to, um, Pans or any of the other, like if you're at the Long Beach Pyramid or at Irvine, the way the venue's set up, I'll go there and I don't see anybody I know. And then later I see that they were there because right. of the way the venue is set, right? Plus they have bad cell reception in there, so you can't always, but, but again, the way the Vegas is set up, it's like you end up just seeing everybody. Yeah. And, uh, it's awesome. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. I know. I'm, I'm kind of bummed. I, I don't see it happening this year. And if it if it does happen, I don't think it's going to be what it normally is this year. Well, I mean, or it might surprise us. I mean, yeah. with but. with as many people in the position they're at right now, if they move it to a new date, yeah, there, there may be a chance. Now, like for myself, um, I, I still work my day job, and then we teach at the school. Melissa officially works at at the school, but I mean, I I put in for my vacation time, um, November. For, for Vegas. For Vegas, for Master Worlds. Yeah. Um, so, 
you know, it's kind of one of those that now if they do move it to a new date and they move it to a, possibly a new location, I, I suspect they would still keep Vegas, but now it's questionable whether or not I'd be able to get that time off. Yeah. But again, it's like one of those things we have to wait and see what happens. We have no idea yeah. what's going to happen in the world. And then, you know, if they switch the date, I mean, I think once they open up, once the world starts getting back to functioning, how many other events in this time period now in that venue are going to be trying to get in there too, right? So there's going to be this like bottleneck glut of people trying to, to get in. Um, so it's going to be interesting, you know, like so much of the stuff I'm not, I don't really think about too much because we have no idea. Yeah. yeah. And um, we'll see. I mean, I think one day we'll get back there, but yeah, we're wait. already kind of trying to talk about, okay, when they actually open us back up, what can we do? You know, we're yeah. going to ease back in. It's not going to be like, okay, we're back to normal. Yeah. <laughs> and again, like, I'm not even thinking about that because, you know, they're talking about the possible second wave and all these yeah, kinds right. of things. And, you know, when they talk about closing gyms, they're talking about someone who's going to a machine and wiping yeah. it down. They're right. not talking about laying and sweating on top of people and Perfect. then you get your sweat in your mouth, in your eyeball, in your ear. Hmm. You know? Yeah. And, and it's not like, um, you know, other people are saying things like, I keep my school clean. It's not like staff, right? Yeah. And you can bathe as much as you want and everyone's clean and washes their gi, but that doesn't mean that you might not breathe it from someone who's carrying it. Right. So, yeah. And we're still learning so much every day about this too. Yeah. So well, we were talking about just dressing like ninjas, <laughs> putting, putting face masks on. And... So, okay. The one day that I went to this, to that I've gone to, to the store to shop so far. So I've only gone to Trader Joe's once and, um, hold please. <laughs> Where is it? Oh, I don't. Oh, it's unfocused. So you know, I have a mask, and it didn't quite fit exactly right, and I'm pretty paranoid because my lungs are compromised somewhat. Right. Yeah. And I was exposed to mold before too. Um, that kind of messed me up. So, are you ready for it? Ready. So I had a mask on and it didn't quite fit exactly right because I grabbed the wrong one. But I also had this in my car and I already planned to do this. Um... <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, so I went ninja. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. But the great thing, I wore my glasses because I thought that would keep me from touching my eyes. But right. that keeps me from touching anything. So. Yeah. And then I had to stand outside the store for like 15 or 20 minutes in the sun. So, it, you know, it was multifunctional. <laughs> and no one messed with me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I know, um, so you've done the jujitsu thing. Um, you've all, you also uh, work uh, with uh, UFC too, right? Well, you work with, I know you're with the Commission. California State Athletic yeah. Commission. Um, so I, I'm an inspector for the California State Athletic Commission, and so I'm an employee of the state of California, and we regulate professional um, 
fighting, boxing, kickboxing, mixed martial arts in the state of California. Um, so we're independent of the organizations. Right. right. So UFC is the biggest organization and show, but we regulate all of that stuff in the state of California. So whether it's Bellator that comes here or UFC or local shows that are here, we make sure, we're like fight cops, so we make sure that everyone is following the rules in an impartial way. So that is everything from the wraps to the gloves and um, the glove selection for boxing, uh, the weigh-ins. Right. And, you know, basically, uh, they, they oversee, not my, I, I don't personally, but uh, the, the contract signing, you know, that, and make sure that the promoters have the money to pay the people, you know, they have, you know, account, they set up all these things. Um, and then my job as an inspector, you know, sometimes I'll help with the weigh-ins with the, con you know, all the paperwork and the licensing. And then we do also uh, neurological testing, all the fighters now we do neurological testing. And so that's kind of like a little uh, iPad game test that we have the fighters do to make sure their brains are good um, because of the uh, new awareness of concussions and traumatic brain injuries. So trying to make the sport safer and keep track of all that stuff. And then the days of the day of the fight, basically they check in, we reweigh them because we're trying to combat weight cutting now. So we weigh them and make sure they're in, in the safe range. Um, we do drug testing and basically we babysit them um, from the time they get there in the locker room, making sure everything is followed, that they're not violating any rules while they're in there. And we walk them out. So that's why you, you, that's when you'll see me walking out yeah. with yeah. Yeah. Or whoever or Nick Diaz or Nate Diaz, or everyone. And we're, you know, in our suits looking professional. People are like, oh, you should smile. I'm like, yeah. not really my job. I, like, I would love to be like, hey. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, you try to be impartial and, and get out there. And, you know, between rounds, we go in with them and make sure that, they're in and out the right time that they're not doing anything illegal. They're not yeah. So, so surprisingly, the California State Athletic Commission was kind of the beginnings of us forming our MMA program yeah. for, for our own school. Because um, we, we were originally California based, just south of Sacramento in Stockton. And uh, 2006 is when California legalized uh, MMA. Yes. So I was in communication with the professional MMA. Yes. yes. So I was, I was in communication with them prior to that. I actually went to some of the meetings where they were like trying to, to, to figure everything out to, to officially get it ready. And so I was talking with, I can't remember who the gentleman was at the time. As far as I know, he's no longer part of the commission, but I was talking to him and he goes, great. He goes, give me your resume. So I gave him my resume. Um, and I, I, I go to different meetings. Now it's legal. And I go to the meeting and he goes, hey, he goes, your resume looks great. He goes, but you don't have any refing experience. And I said, okay, so what would your suggestion be? And his, his reply was at the time period, he goes, well, go do some shows and then come back to me when you have some experience. I said, so let me understand this correctly. Yeah. You want me to go do unsanctioned events yeah. so that you can allow me to work on your sanctioned events. Yeah. He said, yes. <laughs> so 
<laughs> that then puts us down our path. Because uh, originally that was, that was one of my goals is I, I wanted to become uh, a referee or a judge, or I just want to be connected to the sport. And as it became legal, I, I, just, I wanted to be connected as much as possible. So then when he said that, then we started promoting some of our own jiu-jitsu tournaments. We started then, uh, we, we ended up with our own team that then started competing in, uh, in MMA at sanctioned and unsanctioned events at the Indian casinos like Jack, Jackson Rancheria and, uh, and some of those. Um, and then, I don't know, we just kind of stayed on, on the competitive, on the coaching yeah. and, and training side of it. And it didn't really push for the, for the commission side. <laughs> Yeah, our, our, our son fights, so hopefully one of these days you might be his, uh, his uh, um, babysitter. Yeah. <laughs> so in paralleling your experience, so Big John, I used to teach at Big John McCarthy's Ultimate Training Academy, and uh, 2000, end of 2006 is when we opened, and then eventually we had a fight team, and so I was one of the coaches of the fight team, and... They legalized professional MMA, but not amateur MMA. Yes. Yep. Yes. So now in the same, exactly what you're saying, how do we have these guys become pro fighters without having any amateur experience? Because for them to get the amateur experience, it would be illegal for them to do. Right. So we would take them to illegal smokers. Yep. And do what we had to do to get them enough fights to experience that. And there was actually, there's one great story. So there was one event we were going to. And at the time we had a big RV that was wrapped that had BJ Muda, Big John McCarthy's Ultimate Training Academy. And we packed the whole fight team in and we'd go to different places. We actually did one, um, road trip to Iowa to a show there. But we went to one over here uh, locally. And as we're pulling up, someone calls us and says, hey, the athletic commission is there, don't go. Because not only is it illegal, we're Big John, Big John was a rap at the time yeah. right? So he's got his hand in that pro side. And how does, that what kind of position does that put him in right when your team is at illegal events right so we drive up and right as we're pulling in front of the venue and there are all these people and they go don't go you you can't go the commission's there and we see the guy from the commission walking <laughs> so we go we u-turn and we leave and we go back home <laughs> years later I become an inspector. I now work with that inspector that busted that event. <laughs> so, you know, it's like any world, it's a small world, right? And eventually yeah. you know everyone. And even when they say things like at first they were, part of why I got, got, why I got into inspecting was uh, at first I, could, I didn't because I, I was coaching the fight team and part of that whole thing. And then I coached high school wrestling and had the jujitsu program. So I didn't actually get involved with inspecting till after I was, had stopped being involved with all that other stuff. And it's a way to me, for me to stay involved in, in the sport as well. Um, but I had stopped coaching and being part of all that. 
Um, and then Big John also was doing um, referee and judging courses, which mm -hmm. I helped out on too, which is what you would do now. You would go take some courses. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's to what happened, right? So that you could get more experience. But again, it's like at that time, how would you have any experience? Because yeah, it's catch twenty two the same. Right. <laughs> well, we we remember uh, we we did a jujitsu tournament in Delano, California. Um, Gene LaBelle and Goker were throwing the jujitsu side of it, and then another guy that was friends with our instructor, uh, Sensei Eric Shingu, um, Sensei Don Lanier was throwing a karate tournament, so jujitsu and karate in, in the, the same same, same venue, um, and so for us that was three and a half hours, four hours yeah. to go down there. So we went down and we do what we do. We enter every division where we're both trained in Okinawan karate as well as Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So now I'm a black belt at the time in Okinawan goju and I'm a white belt in jiu-jitsu. So I enter four divisions in jiu-jitsu and I entered I think four divisions. That's the, that's the, on the regular and absolute. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so white belt gi, gi absolute, beginner no gi, and then no gi absolute. So I enter all those. Then I enter the uh, full contact division for the karate tournament. I enter the point sparring tournament, the kata division, um, and I think there was one one more. I entered into and then Melissa same thing entered into as many of the grappling divisions so first year was amazing um we uh I mean I I got like five or six trophies for the tournament so we went to do the second one we were really excited about the about the tournament loved it so we did the second year and when we got there so did the athletic commission and they proceeded uh, this is probably 2000 or 2001. Oh, okay. And now the athletic commission proceeds to tell everybody that jujitsu tournaments are illegal. And so <laughs> they shut the entire jujitsu tournament down. Um, they told everybody that the jujitsu was shut, that there would be no matches. Um, we were talking, I think this is about 2001. And so I, I talked to the, to the commission member you know, now I'm a blue belt. So, um, <laughs> you know, and so I, I talked to the commission member and I said, so let me understand this. Competition's illegal. He says, yes. Because apparently what was happening was people were saying they were doing jujitsu competitions and really doing MMA smokers. And so um, he goes, yes, jujitsu is not allowed. I said, but we can still train, right? And he goes, yeah, tra training jujitsu is just fine. He goes, but you guys can't do competition. So we, uh, at that point, we turned around and we said, okay, who's got a gym nearby? You know, we're like, let's go train. I'm like, you know, we, we, we drove like four hours to come down here. We're staying the night and everything else. We're like, who's got a gym? Let's go train. And then let's hand medals out for who trained the best. <laughs> we have the tournament at a gym. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We just went in, locked the doors. Um, and then, yeah. No. <laughs> Worst tournament I ever did. Uh, again, I entered four divisions, double elimination, and I lost my first seven matches. And it was in the summer, and there was no AC. <laughs> Ooh. So we were dying. Yeah. <laughs> in SoCal. Yeah, it was like, I don't know, 109 degrees outside. Um, it, it, was, it was horrible. 
Well, so in 2005, Abu Dhabi was here at the pyramid. And I think it was the night before the athletic commission was trying to shut it down. Mm -hmm. Yep. And it was before I even knew Big John. And, but he got involved and was telling them, like, you don't need to oversee. It's grappling. Right, yeah. But it was in danger of getting shut down by the commission at the time. Yeah, I know New York's trying to do some stuff with jiu-jitsu tournaments now where they're trying to make it uh, that uh, they're trying to make that be under the commission. I thought uh, Canada did as well. Yeah, but I think New York's in the process of right. it right now. I know uh, Grappling Industries was having a hard time with that. But <laughs> New York just got MMA. Right, <laughs> I know. yeah. But they're talking about now the jiu-jitsu tournaments, they want to require blood work on all the competitors and stuff like so like really weird squirrely stuff yeah <laughs> I, I mean okay well in some senses like i, I kind of get it because you because of the nature of our sport yeah. i i kind of get it but i don't know there's so much to jujitsu that it, it it's like there's a certain at your own risk, but yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. you kind of know what you're but, getting at. I don't know. I mean, that's kind of one of the weird things right now. They're like testing, testing, and then it's like, okay, well, I get tested right now, and I walk out the door and I get infected. Right. Doesn't mean anything. I, right. mean, it, I was thinking we have to be like diabetics. We're gonna have to get up and and have a little, you know, virus meter every morning and test ourselves every morning. That would be a good marketing thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So um, what are you doing now? I know you you do your jewelry, right? Yeah, I'm doing jewelry. I'm, I'm making furniture for my house right now. Oh, nice. And I did some backsplashes. And so hopefully I want to get more into that. And hopefully like people will hire me to uh, do custom work for them. And so I'm trying to do my place, build the furniture, and then use, that, use it like as a showcase. And then hopefully... Uh, start doing that so we'll right. see yeah see. are you you're i know you competed last year at master world right yes and yeah. then i did uh no uh what was the one december nogi worlds nogi no worlds yeah is that the one that's down here in la yeah 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 yeah, yeah. we did the i did the one in december nice. and then was going to do the march one but then didn't happen. yeah uh, but so you're definitely training again. Are you still teaching at all or just are you just being a student right now? You know, if, if I uh, did, I used to teach a lot of privates. Um, and then one of my, my main student like, moved away and I found myself doing less and less privates. And so, you know, I don't really have any private students anymore, but I do do a lot of seminars here and there. So uh, well, actually, we just had the our one. We do one every two years in Hawaii, um, and that got canceled this year. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I know we were talking to AJ Klingerman, who runs the role models, the big role models uh, women's uh, seminar series in uh, where's she at? Shoot. Oh. Indian Indianapolis. Or Indiana, something like that. No, no, Indianapolis. I want to say. Oh. 
like Iowa or Ohio. It's like yeah, yeah, in that middle of the state. I didn't do well. I didn't do well in geography. So. <laughs> but she does a big one. Like she's she had one set up for May that she had. To, she's postponed it to um, I think August right now. So we'll see if she gets that to to go. She's hoping. Uh, part of how um, this isn't that hard for me. I know like people are like freaking out that they're not training and. I've had injuries that are taking me out for six months at right, a time. Yeah. I taught, but didn't really, really train for five years. Yeah. Um, so in some senses, it's like, oh, let things heal up a little bit. And I, you know, I'm sure I get antsy sometimes, but I just kind of have thrown myself into a few other things um, that I've started um getting obsessed with like i've been watching the stock market <laughs> <laughs> and it's like this is legalized gambling this is pretty yeah. much yeah it is yeah. so um i've been learning a lot about that not that i do anything too much too crazy or anything at all but um just kind of i, I think this whole thing is like i kind of I, I mean i went several years without watching tv and so like i'm watching the news more obviously to keep track of what's going on and with the stock market so i'm i don't know i think i'm kind of learning more about a bigger world and how that functions which isn't something i was ever that interested in um and trying to understand like oh how does oil and then corporations and like I, I'm no economist or genius at all. I'm just saying, like I'm just starting to go, oh, oh, that's interesting. Now where it wasn't really anything that was interesting to me, so right. it's just try, you know, like seeing this new new stuff and trying to learn. You know, I, I think I'm a, a bit of a learning junkie. Whether it's trying to learn how to build something or work with tools or with resin or making things, like there's always something. I'm kind of trying to learn. And then when I kind of learn a little bit, I mean, I'm a hack at everything, but I, you know, with YouTube, like I'm enough to be dangerous in a lot of stuff. And then I kind of get bored <laughs> with something else and come back and, um, you know, keep it fresh and interesting, but you know, it is what it is. I, I don't particularly want to get sick. And yeah, I know yeah. a lot of people have gotten sick, but I also know a friend of mine's friend passed away from this and you know, we are, they're, they're more you know, Roger Gracie. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like young, healthy guy. So, you know, I, I, I think there's a social responsibility and I'm sure at some point we'll get tired of, of it, but just remembering, you know, like if, if people, again, as they start to uh, learn more and more about it, yeah. it'll be better. But if you're carrying it and then, you go by my mom and she gets sick. Like yeah. that's not being responsible. It's like all the woke people, like you have to think about other people besides yourself. You know, like I, I get, you don't feel anything, but you could be carrying and, and, yeah. and then, and then it's like what minimum two week. Yeah. Incubation. Yeah. And so I'm a little bit worried about that and people, but hopefully, um, I mean, it'll all work out. We'll get there. But, you know, if I was young and healthy, I'd be more actively helping and volunteering to do stuff, I think. But yeah, um, I'm not, I'm not a young, healthy person anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so kind of backtracking, 
what we um so we're gonna kind of do those canned questions right now so what what would you say was kind of like your most memorable positive or negative um experience uh in jujitsu um semifinals of abu dhabi 2007 fighting megumi fuji and um winning by submission definitely pretty awesome yeah, that's pretty cool. one and the other one is also in 2007 it was a time uh, where fila and usa wrestling um had adopted grappling and jujitsu yes yeah 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 yeah. and i thought that was the way that we were going to get to the olympics right and so i did those events well plus they fly you at the first three years that I did it, they flew you to wherever the event was. So that year it was in Turkey. Um, it was 2007 in Turkey. And I think the week before we went there, they had arrested some terrorists that were from that area that we were going to. And then we got there. So, you know, and it's a Muslim country. So you get there and all the women are covered. And then they put the Americans into a different hotel. And, you know, like, it was a little, a little unsettling, a little nerve wracking, a little bit. And um, the thing that was amazing is that it was the first time that I had really represented the United States. And granted, it wasn't as competitive as an IBJJF tournament, and it didn't grow into that yet, or hopefully it will someday uh, in another iteration, right? But uh, you were there representing the country. I mean, we had warm-ups, you know, it was like a real sport. And I won my division and you were on the pedestal mm -hmm. the podium and they played the national anthem and raised the flag just like they do at the Olympics. Right. And up to that point, I had never really, um, that was the first time I felt a sense of that pride of representing my country. And, uh, you know, when I was a little kid, I was a gymnast and you would watch the Olympics all the time and wanted to be an athlete like that. And right. you know, the Olympics are really about the countries and stuff like that. And so here I am, how many years later, I'm 39, 40, not 15 or 20 or 25. And now I'm representing my country and the national anthem plays and you're wearing your country's uniform and that changed and i like i can i'm even getting a little emotional right now but it changed for me and to this day now i'll be at an event i'll be anywhere and the national anthem plays and it it hits me in a different way right and if at all possible, I really try to just stop. Like sometimes I'm working and something happened and I have to get to somewhere to take care of something. That happened one time and I'm like, crap, everyone's standing and paying attention to the national anthem, but I got to get this information to someone before because this show can't happen or whatever. 
you know, but I try to really have that respect because it means so much more to me because I was in a situation where I was representing that. Right. You know, up to that point, it was just kind of like, oh, yeah, the the, the song's playing. Um, So that was the second um, really memorable moment for me. That's a cool one. So now, because you've competed, obviously, IBJJF, you've competed Abu Dhabi, and you've competed via the USA uh, FILA, which had some slightly different rules than all of them as well. Yes. Because um, I, I, I remember when they added grappling to their curriculum, we were actually at, our son was wrestling at uh, Fresno, and they yeah. had a big, big tournament there, mainly for the kids, but then they had like four mats set aside that had grappling. Yes. So, I positioned myself over there and I, I thought it was just going to be kids because that, that uh, the USA state was mostly, you know, the, the, the youth wrestlers and the high school wrestlers. And then I saw adults competing on the grappling mats. And then I was watching how the rule sets were slightly played. Um, Those rules have changed over time. And I'm not sure if it's, if they're still running now, are they still trying to do grappling? Yeah, that, I haven't seen anything with it. I haven't been up on it, but yeah, the rules have gone through different changes. Right. Sure. Yeah, because I know at the, at the time period, um, so it was no gi, wrestling shoes were, were worn, and with wrestlers, they have their referee's position. Yes. And at the time period, USA Grappling had, if they went out of bounds, they would get brought back and placed almost like into an open guard position. Yeah. So the second, I think it was the second year of the trials were in Rockland. I don't know if you remember that. I th- was that the second year? Because the first year, the first year, well, you're familiar with wrestling. And now that I look back on it, because I didn't come up as a wrestler at all. I didn't do anything before. My entry to wrestling was teaching and coaching high school. Mm-hmm. So I could get better trained. I could. I could train with the 112, 13 pounders um, to get better for Nogi. So then backed into coaching wrestling for kids. So I've been to Fresno many times Okay, yeah. uh, for the, that event. Um, but the first year, and again, I wish I had really understood they had the world team trials for grappling in Las Vegas with the world team trials for wrestling. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. That'd be cool. And I had no clue. We were on the stage with the scoreboards. And, you know, my friend was telling me, yeah, this is really, really cool. And I was like, because he understood wrestling. And I was like, yeah, it's cool that we have like a stage and we have like, the the we don't have flip cards right. <laughs> for the points we have lit up ones we can see the points up there that was my you know understanding and we have a, and then later it was like oh man that was so cool the next year it was at Rockland in a high school and at that time the rules the rules it was in uh the experience I had was it went to overtime I fought Tara La Rosa one of the pioneers of women's MMA and it went to overtime and i don't remember if there was a coin toss anyway you uh started one person was on their back and the other person was on their knees with their hands 
on my knees. Right, right. A weird, a weird open guard type of. Yeah. And it was the first person to score one. And what they had was an escape point. Correct. Which was, it, there, it, it's the only rule set of grappling I've ever seen that had it. So we go into overtime. Tara didn't know the rules. I jump up. I get my escape point and yep. I win. And she was like, what happened? <laughs> so it does pay to know the rules. But yeah, it, it, it went through several different restart type positions, which interesting love now, like if you look at EBI, it's, there's a little just sort of similarity in like, oh, we have these different reset positions. Right. Yeah. That aren't really connected to where the match was. Yeah. Yeah. So with, with having competed in all those different rule sets and the like, what would you say is, is your preferred or your favorite rule set to compete under? Doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I mean, as an, as a person now, I, who is older and has had a lot of injuries, I mean, and as you just get older, like the realities, I did Abu Dhabi when I was 39, which was already well past my due date, you know, like I was a late bloomer and I was very lucky to be able to compete at that level at that age. Mm -hmm. um, but no one told me otherwise. <laughs> and it was only till I got sick that with the fatigue that it kind of changed a lot. And then I stopped competing. Uh, 2008, 2009, I only did one tournament those years, which was the Fila one because the second, uh, after that Rockland thing that, that, that year it was in Switzerland. So you got a free paid, paid trip to Switzerland. I'm good for that. Um, and then the year after that, I think the trials were in Phoenix. And that trip was to Fort Lauderdale. And that was on my 42nd birthday. And, and I fought Tammy Musumichi. Someone just asked me about that the other day. You know, she was 16 and a blue belt. And, um, and then it's been amazing to watch her. Oh, yeah. Become Tammy Musumichi. Uh, <laughs> and... and it it was real. It's been really cool, but um, at this point, I love nogi. I've always loved nogi, but would I want to do it under Abu Dhabi or EBI rules? Probably not, because I probably don't need to get heel hooked and my knee tore up. Yeah, because I've already had enough operations on my knees. Um, yeah. You know, you get older, it takes longer to heal. So, you know, I would love to heel hook people, likewise, but. It just the risk reward is not necessarily there for me. Um, I put mostly train gi now. So, uh, you know, like doing no gi under IBJJF rules makes a little more sense for me. I, you know, I, I don't have as much hesitation with that just because I, like I said, I, the, the game has changed a lot with the heel hooks, which if you just at a no, only a gi school, you don't get to practice the other stuff, all the new stuff now. Right. Um, but also like, I would love to learn that, but I also, even in training, it, it's hard on your knees and ankles and stuff. Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, I'm, I'm okay with that. I, I'm, I already had my day um, in the sun. <laughs> <laughs> um, and now I'm just happy to get out there at all, right? Yeah. You know, it's a different game now. And now it's like, 
just going and competing and having other people your age uh, to share the mats with is awesome. You yeah. Know? There's only a few of us, but when eventually there's more and more people that have come to the sport as an older person, as opposed to coming up and then growing old in the sport. Um, but that keeps it, you know, the more we see that, that means the sport's growing. Yeah. And it's great. Well, that's where we, we started really loving uh, Master Worlds. We've only competed the last three years. This was going to be our fourth year. Because prior, prior to that, our last tournament that we did before leaving California was uh, Grappler's Quest at UFC 100. Yeah. And at that time period, um, I mean, we, we trained our, our tails off. We, we paid a decent amount of money for hotels and everything else. Uh, Melissa got called to the podium for one award. Um, they didn't have, which unfortunately becomes part of the other issue, is the longer you're in the, in the game and the longer you compete and age brackets and things of that nature, the competition just started disappearing. So yeah. most of the tournaments we were going to, we were lucky if we even had somebody in our division and just just in the three years we were doing master worlds i went from seven in my division the first year um then i think it was 10 or 11 the second year and then it was 15 in my division the third year and it just it looked like it was just growing and the women's divisions were doing exactly the same thing they were they were growing so much you know in, in each each time that, that we were going to the, uh, to the tournaments. And so that, that became the one that we were just looking forward to. Knowing one, we get to see a bunch of people. I, I'm an introvert by nature, except for jujitsu. Jujitsu and MMA, it's the only place I'm social. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, social and, society everywhere else, but if we're on the mat or talking about jujitsu, I'm good. Yeah. Yeah, I, I joke, I'm like, I'm like donkey from Oh, Shrek. you froze. You know, if, if you put me in that environment, it, it's getting me to stop talking is the, is the problem. <laughs> <laughs> oh, are we freezing again? All right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, maybe that's our cue. <laughs> that might be. That might be our cue. Well, thank you so much for your sitting down and talking with us. Can you hear us now? No? Maybe? I can hear you, but you keep freezing. <laughs> okay. Hopefully it stops. Oh, but I, but I do want to say... Um, back when I was coming up, you would never have done a master's division. Yeah. Right. Even though I started at 33, I was already a master's. Right. And the reason I ended up doing no gi so much and ended up at Abu Dhabi was because when I was a purple belt, there was no one to compete with. Yeah. Right. yeah. Once I got gi purple belt, there was no one. Only pans and worlds. And at that time, I think uh, Worlds was in Brazil still. So that's why I started doing more and more nogi because then as a purple belt, it's like two years and up, three years and up. And then I'd have three, four girls there to fight. Yeah, when so. I first started, um, the first turn couple tournaments that I went to, I ended up in the guys division because there were no girls. Right. Zero. Yeah, I um, never did that. <laughs> I'm All a right. little smaller and then I, I you know, I... I just felt that I don't know. I, I was just worried about guys just like, Oh, like the ego. Oh yeah. 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 Oh yeah. It's a lose-lose for them. And, I just and, yeah. it was really bad, but yeah, it was a lose-lose for them. 
Yeah, and then it's like, what? So I start catching this guy and he slams me, which is illegal, but he'd rather do that than tap to me. And right. now I get dropped in my head. So I, you know, I was always a little tentative, but so I just ended up, you know, doing divisions with women and, you know, you do the, you're maybe you have one or two fights and then you do the open and yeah, but it's great. The sport's growing and in terms of people and then in age as well. So yeah, everyone has a place that they can go and get some fights. So it's cool. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, hopefully, you know, this thing gets out of the the whole Corona thing goes away and, and we get to meet up again at a, a future master worlds. I'm um, sure. Yeah. Thank you so much for sitting down with us. We appreciate it, man. You're welcome. Let me know when it goes up. I will. Awesome. Sure. Will. Yeah. Thank we'll you. probably, probably be this week. We're trying to get them out pretty quick. Oh, I'm going to plug, um, roll, well, yeah. forever. roll forever. And that's, you know, just consistent with what we've been talking about. Yeah. You know, like now it's about, how do we roll forever, right? It's being smarter about our injuries and stuff like that. But it's also, it's not just about like, let me roll at this tournament. It's like, I, I do wanna do this, enjoy it, whether I compete or not. I love rolling and being on the mat and I do wanna do it for the rest of my life. So um, you can follow us. I'll be doing some seminars with them. Um, but we have rash guards and uh, patches and different things. Oh, nice. Follow us on Instagram and uh, Facebook, I think. Okay, so uh, so uh, do they have like Instagram pages or? Yeah, just roll forever. Just yeah. roll forever. And yeah. if you follow me, Felicia O, or Flo F L A U Art of Felicia O, both of them, um, I'll if if we're wearing the rash guard or whatever, you know, I'll tag them. But you can find me through, find them through me. All right, awesome. We'll um we'll try to put that tag on the uh, post too. Absolutely. Yeah, you got it. All right, ma'am. You have a good one. Be safe. You and too. We'll, uh, hopefully, we'll talk to you soon. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. About that. All right. We're not recording. <laughs> no more recording. Thank, Thank you, you for, for listening. listening. This is your host, David Lawson. And your other host, Melissa Lawson. We really appreciate being able to do this for you guys. We appreciate you giving us a listen. Uh, if you want to uh, follow us, go to uh, Instagram, submission underscore coalition, or give us a like on Facebook, submission coalition. Or uh, if you guys want to throw some donations, it's not like I'm going to turn it away. We're also always looking for sponsors. Just nope. PM us at uh, any of our social media outlets. Awesome. Thank you.